This is Create Now, the show that explores creative and generative approaches to changing the systems that rule our world. We're sector agnostic, and our guests come from a myriad of different disciplines and practices, but they all have one thing in common. They are people who are creatively rethinking and remaking sectors once thought unchangeable. On this episode, I speak over Skype with Mary Powell, Chief Executive Officer of Green Mountain Power in Vermont. Mary grew up in New York City with two parents who were artists, and she attended the prestigious LaGuardia High School of Music and Art and Performing Arts. After working at America's first money market fund in New York City as operations manager, she decided to move to Vermont for quality of life issues. In 1998, she accepted an offer to work at Green Mountain Power, and in 2008, she stepped into the chief executive role. Since that time, Mary has transformed the company into what she has called an unutility, introducing innovative products and services that help customers reduce costs along with their carbon output. Under her leadership, Green Mountain Power has more than doubled its size and become the first utility in the world to attain benefit corporation status, embedding into the company's structure the belief that energy can be a force for good. In 2014, Mary was recognized by PowerGen as Woman of the Year. In 2015, the Bennington Free Press named her Vermonter of the Year. And in 2016, Fast Company named Mary one of the 100 most creative people in business. I'm Robert Rancic, and this is Create Now. So, Mary, thank you, obviously, for uh, joining us today to talk a little bit about your history and your role as CEO of Green Mountain Power. I was hoping that we could start by you talking about your your passage from growing up in New York City to moving to Vermont and becoming the CEO. Uh, sure. Well, first of all, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I really enjoyed uh, the opportunity to meet you when I was down in Bennington speaking at that event. And um, yeah, so I think, as you know, I've coined myself the accidental executive because sometimes I really cannot figure out how I ever got to where I am. Uh, but that is the wonder and the joy of life. Um, and so, yeah, I grew up in New York City on the west side. My dad was a uh, working actor um, and uh, I grew up in a family that had a very, very strong orientation towards the arts. Um, and in fact, um, I tested and went to a uh, public school that was, uh, you know, uh, specifically that you had to test into that was designed around the arts, which is uh, the Fiorello LaGuardia High School of Music and Art and Performing Arts. Um, so, so no one is probably more surprised than I am that I am now uh, running and have been for 10 years the CEO of an energy transformation company in Vermont. Um, and so really the, the path from, from where, from there to here, I think, is a path of uh, doing the next thing, the next right thing in front of me, uh, throwing a ton of passion and grit in pretty much anything I did, trying to bring my love of people, of, of society, of the economy, of the environment to everything I do. Um, and I, you know, I fell into business in New York City working for America's first money market fund. Uh, so I, I, in many ways, was in the right place at the right time. And you know, and, and really rapidly grew to be the associate director of operations for what then became a three and a half billion dollar fund uh, before transitioning to Vermont 
Um, I transitioned to Vermont for quality of life reasons. Um, my then fiance and I both just felt like it was the time we were in our late 20s to get out of New York City and try a very different lifestyle. And I've been here ever since. And it's been a wild ride doing all sorts of things I never expected to do. Um, and, uh, and now really the ultimate in doing a lot of work around um, you know, innovation around transformation, around how uh, to to take a, a customer obsessed organization and uh, you know and and leverage that passion in in our work with customers uh, to transform the entire delivery system, the energy delivery system. Wonderful. I wonder, Mary. I had read uh, or perhaps heard you in one of your speeches talk about your path to Green Mountain, and you had, you know, originally reached out to them to do consulting work, and the then CEO tried to hire you, I think, multiple times, and I wonder what finally changed for you. Why did you finally sign on uh, to work at Green Mountain? Yeah, and so that story is, is, uh, is, is a funny one, because it's, it's one of those stories that always reminds me of one of my favorite lines in life, which is, I didn't know what I didn't know. And so I had many assumptions about Green Mountain Power, uh, some of which were accurate in terms of the culture and the hierarchy and the, and the sort of stuffiness of the business and felt like it wouldn't be a fit for me. Uh, but what I didn't know or, or couldn't appreciate at the time that they were first pitching to me was that, and I don't think they appreciated that it, that it ultimately was going to end up being this really wildly transformative opportunity. Um, and so really the, you know, the, the reasons for why I was saying no were at that point, you know, interviewing at Green Mountain Power, you had to enter this big stone lobby and go up these big stone stairs through two private secretaries into a massive private office uh, to see the CEO who had a private conference room, a private bathroom, and basically never had to see an employee or a customer um, in any given day uh, if he kind of didn't go out of his way. Um, so, so that sort of gives you a good visual of, of probably why it didn't feel like the right kind of fit or place for me, uh, despite the fact that I was in some ways pitching myself at them, um, you know, thinking more that I would, I would get a good consulting gig out of it than, than employment. And so, yeah, you're right. They, they offered me the job. Um, and why did I finally say yes? I finally said yes, because it came back at me enough times that I talked to this, uh, this woman friend of mine, um, she wasn't a businesswoman. She was just somebody who was great to talk to and process things with. And, and she just said, you know, I'll never forget. She said, Mary, I think you should say yes. I think there's just a reason it keeps coming up. I think there's a reason you're supposed to be there. And so I, so I said, yes. I mean, that was, that was kind of really as deep as it got. Um, you know, it ended up really, again, being this amazing uh, transformative opportunity not just for the organization or for our customers, but but for me personally, which has been uh, really awesome. So when you first arrived, what was your role? And, you know, coming into the kind of situation that you described, I would anticipate you had ideas about your what you could impact and what you could change. And so I, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about your priorities as you yeah. got to Yeah, so my, so my career has been much like a jungle gym. Um, and, you know, I, I ascended to this quite a significant role young in life. And then I kind of would jump at all different levels on the jungle gym from from experience to experience. And so in many ways from my from my last sort of 
full-time uh, thing where I was working for KeyBank, which again is one of the largest banks in the country, and I was I was a regional market sales leader for them. I ran much of the Vermont Bank organization for them. Um, you know, it was one of those jungle gym moves where the job they wanted me to come in to do here was uh, a vice president job, but it was of organizational development and human resources. And you know, candidly, that was probably part of why I was at the no, which is, I didn't really feel like it was a, cult, a culture that fit my vision of what success looks like. Um, and I also had, you know, felt like, well, that's a, a, a kind of a role uh, that would not necessarily be challenging without the ability to lead transformative change. And so really what happened within a few months of my being here, you know, uh, I guess largely because of my insistence that we did need to undergo transformative change. What it really became was an opportunity to lead, you know, an absolute cultural transformation of the organization from a very classic, uh, bureaucratic, traditional uh, utility approach to business to one that, you know, it's when I first started talking about the need to become fast, fun, and effective, uh, to become customer obsessed, uh, to go from those offices I described uh, to one where if you came in to see me now, it's it's kind of like a colorful Costco is what it looks like. It's one big open space. And I work at a stand-up desk right next to uh, the where the linemen come in in the morning and in the afternoon uh, after, their, after their day of work. So there are no private offices. There are no private conference rooms. Um, everything's in glass. So there's no place to run and no place to hide. And we have a very uh, we have a very open structure, a very, uh, uh, we reduced a lot of the layers within the organization um, and really became, you know, an in entirely different company, all with the focus on customer obsession and serving our customers in the lowest cost, uh, most reliable and lowest carbon way that we possibly could. So, I mean, the kind of change that you're talking about is, is really quite extraordinary, and many institutions try very hard to begin to shift things and don't have the level of success that you've had. And I wonder, what kinds of strategies did you undertake? How did you get your team and, you know, from the linesmen to, you know, the utility guys and then, you know, the C-suite folks on board to, to shift the culture like this? Yeah, well, you know, it's it's... That's a great question and, and uh, one that I get asked about a lot and that's sort of the short version of it is it's really hard work mm -hmm. and it takes a lot of heart and soul. Um, it takes a lot of emotional energy. It takes a lot of physical energy um, and it is not for the faint of heart. Um, and so, you know, when I've seen or worked, you know, before I came to Green Mountain, I did some organizational consulting and, you know, uh, really what I saw a lot is, you know, sometimes by the time people make it up higher in the hierarchy, um, they kind of feel like they've earned their stripes and in many ways they have, right? And I think sometimes it's as simple as, honestly, they ju it's just not appealing. To, like, unless there's a crisis, it's not appealing to do the hard work of transformative work. Um, you know, and so, you know, so the short answer is, and the reason I focus on sort of the higher ends of the organization is because, you know, that that actually is where the work has to begin. Um, I think many organizations that I've 
uh, either worked as a part of or consulted with over my uh, lifespan, you know, that one of the problems they look is when they when they look at transformative change, you know, sort of they immediately look at like the front line and how the front line has to change. <laughs> like, I'm like, no, actually, usually they're the ones that are that are a the most important and b doing the most things right. And it is everything above the front line that can screw up an organization. <laughs> so, so really, um, I love a line I was I was told when I. I came to Vermont. I was told it was an old Vermont saying. I, I'm still not sure it actually is, but it's that the fish sinks at the head. So, the, so when you do this work, the most important thing is you need to stop. You need to start at the top of the organization. So, beyond just the extraordinary transformation culturally, with you know, starting with the people, right, the people that work for you, but also mm-hmm. your customer relations, you also changed your corporate form, and you became the first utility on the planet to become a B corporation. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what does that mean um, and also how it's impacted the culture and how Green Mountain Power operates. Um, yeah, so we're, we're really thrilled to be part of the Benefit Corporation uh, group and movement. Um, and, uh, you know, it really is at its essence about, you know, uh, doing good by doing well, um, or doing well by doing good. Um, so it's 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 really about putting, you know, that classic that we've heard about, I think, for hopefully a couple decades of the triple bottom line, sort of putting that first, um, and and trusting that if you uh, do right by the communities, the customers, and the environment that you serve, uh, your business will will do okay. And and really, the interesting thing about us is, you know, our journey was really one of we kind of became a B Corp and then we became a B Corp. So really, again, you know, I really believe that culture eats strategy, um, that I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of, uh, you know, McKenzie's strategic planning processes and documents. And I mean, I don't mean to slight them as an organization. I just mean it almost as like a boilerplate terminology, right? That, that uh, you know, I'm really much more of a, of a believer in it is all about the culture of an organization, and that's where you need to spend your time. So again, we had done this culturally transformative work um, that takes a long time to to get to get somewhere. And then once you get somewhere, you got to realize you've never arrived. You've got to continue to evolve and change. But really, where we got to was we got to become an organization that was behaving like a benefit corporation. We had already dramatically changed our carbon profile for customers. We had already dramatically changed so much about the footprint, about how we operate, about how we treat each other, about how we go about business, that by the time we said, oh my goodness, we should become a B Corp, we were a B Corp. So I've read that your mission is to transform Green Mountain Power from a utility to an unutility. And I wonder what does an unutility look like and how is it possible to be an unutility and still continue to make profit in the long term? You know, we get the same reaction still every time people come here, which is nothing about it feels like you just entered a utility. There's bright colors, there's fast movement, there's 
there's a, it's a different energy. It is a fast, fun, and effective energy. And so that, it's a culture of yes, not a culture of no. It's a culture of, with a bias towards action versus analysis. So not to say analysis isn't important, it's very important in this business, but it's, it's not, it should not be the key cultural driver. The key cultural driver should be one of uh, fast, fun, and effective delivery for customers and innovation. So in many ways, I think that's the piece that we have that nice foundation of being an unutility in terms of our culture. The real big, like the real big engagement we're in now is how to really truly become an energy transformation company. How to really think about energy as a force for good in society. How to really think about energy as a service, not pushing electrons through grandpa's electric system, which is really what we've been doing for over a hundred years, right? Is it's a system that was built on a one-way uh, sort of paternalistic model of how to, how to serve homes, businesses, and communities. And uh, the really fascinating work, cultural work we're doing now and, and business model work is really thinking about how do we meet customers where they are and how do we meet customers in a way that's transformative so that we're helping to accelerate this consumer-led revolution to home, business and community-based energy system, where over time, over a couple decades, the grid system becomes more of the backup to this more home business and community-based energy system. Can you give a few examples of what that looks like from the customer side of things? I know I've read that you've helped customers go off-grid, and how does that model fit within your vision for Green Mountain Power as a utility? Yeah, company? so it's great. So it fits all, it all fits because it's all part of being customer obsessed and loving our customers because you can't love them and be obsessed with them and not want to provide different new and provocative solutions uh, that might make they, them feel more secure, more resilient and more comfortable in their homes. So as a part of that, yes, we launched uh, you know, the, the off-grid mostly really as a great example to learn about energy as a service. That's kind of the ultimate in, you know, thinking of energy as a service, not as something that is pushed over uh, poles and wires and sometimes great distances. Um, another example of work that we're doing is the work we're doing in the context of a lot of strategic partnerships. There was one really significant strategic partnership with many players in Vermont, including the efficiency utility and many other players to help create this whole, uh, it's called the McKnight uh, community, where we use solar and storage and created sort of an energy independent community that because it is still grid connected, we can actually use those resources to help us manage the bulk grid more cost effectively. So there are times where we're actually pulling energy from that community uh, in a way that then helps to reduce the bill for all the other customers we serve. You know, at a, at a home, at a residential basis, uh, that's the exact same thing as, as the Tesla Powerwall program that we've done that has, you know, really been transformative for so many Vermont homes uh, where they have experienced no outages when we've had weather events because they now have this incredible grid resilience. Um, for some of them, they also tie it to their solar. Uh, for some of them, it is just pure grid resilience uh, where we share, uh, you know, we really do sort of a, you know, a, a version of, uh, you know, the community gardens that, that Vermonters like to participate in. It's sort of an energy sharing environment where, you know, yes, they get a reduced price on the power wall and it's because we're sharing that, that resource with them. 
And how active has Tesla been in working out this system with you? Because as the Green Mountain Power, you know, you know, peak times, et cetera, ha you know, you know, swing up and down in the summers or the winters, you're able to draw power from those 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 batteries that are now located Absolutely. all over the state. So was Tesla, you know, had they been thinking along these lines? Did you guys bring it as a as a well, I think yeah, I think part of why they they I think they've really enjoyed I know they've really enjoyed this partnership with us. I mean again we were the first utility in the country to partner with them. Um, and uh, we keep uh, surprising them with uh, with our innovation around our various partnerships. And this one is really cool. I mean, that's a huge part of this is this software uh, that they wanted to uh, work on and develop, which is really around, again, you know, how do you monitor and control those and leverage the devices in a way that's really good for uh, not just the home that it's serving, but the system, the greater system. So yeah, it's been working really, really well. Um, and uh, yeah, and it's fun to innovate together because you you got to make sure of things like, you know, just simple things like obviously for those customers, we want to make sure they have that that resilience for their home. So, you know, right down to weather planning and where we think things might hit and making sure that uh, batteries are fully charged and not deployed. And um, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's like the, it's it's the transformation is so cool. In my mind, it's so much like it's going from this big like bulk it's all one-way relationship to this highly dynamic, almost like being the conductor of a symphony orchestra. So my research team would be very mad at me if I didn't ask if you've met Elon Musk. Yes, they haven't <laughs> seen the selfie that I got with him. <laughs> In fact, it's so funny, when I went to the launch, I had no idea we were the only uh, utility in the country that had partnered with them because in my mind, everybody would want to be doing it. And so I expected it to be sort of this mad rush of tons of people. And they said, well, you know, because you're one of our first partners, you're invited to this, you know, little private event before Elon goes on stage with the launch. And I went into this room and yeah, there, there just weren't that many people. It was, I think, Elon and about 12 of us. So uh, I did get some, some time. And one of the, um, CSRs that I was talking to before I was heading out west, she said, oh, she said, my son loves Elon Musk. If you get a chance, can you get a selfie with him? And so literally that's why I asked him for a selfie because I said, I said, a woman I work with, her son would really love this. So um, yeah, so no, it was, it was great to meet him. So as we come to the end here, I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about the near future for Green Mountain Power and what kinds of things you're brewing right now. Well, you know, that's a great question. I mean, there's we have a part of what we did is we created this innovation space and a, what we call a collaboratory. Um, so again, as I talked about the culture shift being the, this piece is now how do we really become this innovative energy transformation company? So the cool thing is, you know, we offered space for innovators that wanted to come play with us and we've got a bunch now that are playing with us. So, so we're doing and working on all sorts of different uh, innovations uh, with others, and then some ideas of our own. But it's it's all in this. It's all directionally going the same way, which is how do we really lead in this this uh, consumer-led revolution to distributed resources? And I think one of the most exciting things for me about being in this space right now is that we don't know what we don't know. And, I, and I'm convinced we don't know a lot. In other words, I'm convinced that there are technologies 
that we're going to see over the next decade um, that are just going to continue to accelerate this the spinning of this flywheel towards a very different energy system. So uh, we hope to continue to be surprising Vermonters with different ideas and initiatives as we go forward. Fantastic. And just so folks know, your innovation space, does that act as like a kind of incubator or is it for, you know, researchers or? Back to, back to sort of being a benefit corporation and, and, you know, one of the things that as Vermonters we've been um, focused on and at times concerned about are just sort of the brutal facts of the demographics of Vermont, uh, the, the need to really leverage innovators like ourselves, honestly, to attract other young entrepreneurs or, or young companies to Vermont. So we very specifically ran innovation contests for innovators from other states and places to actually get them to uh, put roots in Vermont and to innovate with us. So, so that is, you know, I would say very, I would say incubator to small businesses are what we've mostly been attracting uh, to our innovation space. Well, Mary, thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule to talk to us at Create Now. Um, and thank you for all the incredible and visionary work that you're doing leading us into a more resilient and sustainable future uh, with our energy usage and consumption. Well, thank you. It was a real pleasure to talk to you and uh, thank you for all you're doing. Create Now is hosted on the Bennington College campus at the Center for the Advancement of Public Action. The Create Now team is Rowan Edwards, Anna Saldinger, Chloe Shelford, Robert Rancic, and Isabel Wynn. Today's show was audio engineered and produced by Anna Saldinger and Rowan Edwards. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe. You can find previous episodes at our website, www.createnow.fm. Thank you for listening. Create.